Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. Before I start, I want to share a word of thanks for all of your prayers, for all of your inquiries about my healing these past nine weeks. I'm not there yet, but step by step, it's coming. Linda Volpe just had a knee replacement two days ago, and I sat with her uh, the morning after her surgery, and I told her, step by step, it's going to take time. I can't tell you how much the power of prayer means to those of us who need it and for those of us who share it. I think about our 68 people on our prayer team that we have and the blessings that they give not only to our congregation but those outside our congregation. And that I, it touches me. It touches me so much. And I thank you. So as I thought about today's gospel, the one theme that came back to me was the immediate decision of Simon, Peter, and Andrew who were casting their nets into the sea when Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men immediately, not after a yes but or I've got to say goodbye to my family or whatever reason they thought about, but immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. Immediately is a five-syllable word, and by the time you get from M to Lee, it's already happened. It's instantaneous. That's my engineering, but that's, <laughs> but that's, how, I, that's how I look at that. Matthew says nothing about earlier contact of these two brothers with Jesus, nor does he treat their summons as a divine command that admits either refusal or hesitation. Their new vocation is discipleship. In last week's Gospel from John, John was standing with two of his disciples, and they watched as Jesus approached, and John said, Look, here is the Lamb of God. And two of John the Baptist's disciples heard John so, say those words, and they immediately followed Jesus. There are about 30 compelling biblical uh, scriptures on people following Jesus. The point that has struck me in most of these situations is that almost instantaneous decision without hesitation of those who changed their lives in an instant to follow Jesus. So why did that happen? Close your eyes for a moment. Suppose you're on a beach in Galveston with your family and a stranger walks up to you while you're with your family and friends and that person says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Would you immediately follow? Or would you look at that person and think, what is this person talking about? Why would I follow him or her? It could be Jesus. But the disciples didn't seem to blink an eye. They just dropped their nets and followed Jesus. 
So I go to the Spirit of God as the logical answer for their immediate, instantaneous decision and the work of John in preparing people for the coming of Jesus. Jesus' ministry, according to Matthew, begins with the message of John the Baptist, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. After that message, Jesus begins to gather pupils around himself. The disciples go, like their teacher, to others throughout Galilee to proclaim that God is intervening in the history of the nation once more. Then, in a similar scenario in today's gospel, nearby, James and John are with their father Zebedee. They haven't finished mending their nets, but when Jesus summons these brothers, they also leave what they're doing without hesitation. The implication is that God calls all to salvation, but vocations are definitely individual. Both James and John possess other capabilities which Jesus can train for God's service. The power of Jesus' call comes quickly evident. The call of his first followers is profoundly inspired. Jesus doesn't have to pitch the idea to these individuals, nor does he need to persuade them. After all, each has little reason to leave their current way of life. Each seems, seemingly has a steady job and, more importantly, familiar, familial ties to their vocations as emphasized in both calls. At the same time, these are unlikely to be individuals of great social power or individual wealth. These fishers are not among the elite of ancient culture. Though Jesus' disciples will play a vital function in the earliest days of the church, on this day they are utterly ordinary, ordinary individuals called to an extraordinary task. I imagine that they would not have completely understood what it meant to become fishers of people at that moment. Yet they follow without hesitation. It's this instantaneous thing. Many came to John seeking his baptism. And here Jesus calls this small cadre to follow his wandering pathway of preaching and healing. Then having begun to assemble his disciples... Jesus turns to his work. He teaches in the synagogues. He pronounces the good news of the kingdom. He makes the sick and infirmed whole. These will be the defining characteristics of Jesus' daily labors in Matthew. Teaching, proclaiming the kingdom, and healing are integrated components of his ministry, not discrete pieces. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, God works in mysterious ways. And in each of these cases where instantaneous decisions are made, I believe that Jesus is present in front of Simon, Andrew, John, James, and John, and the other disciples, is a realization of God's Holy Spirit working within each of these men, likely without them even realizing it. Following Jesus meant denying themselves. Now, suppose for a moment that Jesus is looking for disciples, fishers of people. He goes to a newspaper office or a temporary work staff office and is asked to fill out a detailed job description. 
Jesus, being without sin and can't lie or must be fully truthful, he writes, long hours, lots of overtime, must be willing to work on weekends, must be able to travel often, must be willing to accept the cheapest modes of travel, generally by foot for long distances, dangerous potential threats from thieves and soldiers, will not pay for hotel, sleep where and how you can, sometimes out in the elements. Political climate in the country is dangerous. Performing job will put your life in danger. You will be exposed to public ridicule and persecution. Compensation. No pay, no insurance, no pension, no housing fund, no paid vacation. Qualifications needed. Complete obedience. Deny yourself and obey the boss completely in every area. I don't see anybody jumping up and coming up to accept this position. So how does this job sound to you? Are you all in a hurry to line up and apply? But the last part of the job advertisement goes like this. Benefits. Learn face-to-face from the creator of the world. Become friends with the king of kings. Discover real joy. Gain a new purpose in life. Eternal life. The costs of this job are high, but the benefits are worth it. Will you deny yourself? And follow the Lord. I reread the article that's on the wall near the drinking fountain last Sunday. When Christ Church was formed in 2005, there were six people to start with, and Episcopalians around the city joined to build a community which all would be welcome. Now, each Sunday, we have anywhere between 250 and 300 people attend our two services. We have story groups that reach out to care for one another. We live stream our service at 9 o'clock to how many more throughout the United States or throughout the borders of our country. We do so much outreach in the community, all being disciples in Christ. When I sit there and look out at our congregation each Sunday, I see all the little children, our youth, our middle-aged families, and old folks like me. Each Sunday, and at any other time we are together, I truly see the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, working in our community of faith. And I smile, and I thank God for the wonderful Spirit here at Christ Church. And I thank you for being a part of this community. From his earliest days through his adult life and ministry, Matthew's John, Jesus is an itinerant preacher, a constant wanderer. Jesus does not opt for the comforts of the familiar, but embraces God's call to find those who are in need of a word of God wherever they might live. After all, this is the message of the prophecy. God has promised to reach all the nations, Light has reached those who formerly dwelled in darkness and death. Jesus has come to them and, in a sense, become one of them by
by becoming their neighbor. Jesus ministers in an ethnically diverse land. In an ever more mobile and diverse culture, Jesus' moves are in the sense familiar to many of us. The dislocation of a new place and new neighbors can both be thrilling and intimidating. New surroundings can provide us a new start, a nearly blank slate that might allow us to recreate how others perceive us and, how, and maybe more importantly, how we perceive ourselves. New surroundings can also cause us question every dimension of ourselves. Moving causes, acts, causes us to ask anew, who am I? The richness of diverse communities can not only help us understand others better, but also understand ourselves in greater depth. In Matthew, Jesus' nomadic experience must have shaped his perspective, helping him understand a community, both as an insider and as an outsider. How then are we to proclaim today, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near? Unfortunately, for many people today, such utterance is a characteristic of a wide-eyed preacher has lost contact with reality. Perhaps these few verses proclaimed this Sunday can help us remind of Jesus' life-giving words and deeds. Perhaps these few verses proclaimed this Sunday can help remind us to proclaim the drawing near of God's reign, not as a threat, but as a life-giving promise. The call of Jesus was brief. Follow me. But what did it involve? Clearly one thing, taking Christ as their example. To follow him was a bodily act in their case, but it demanded the surrender of the whole being. It was to cast their lot with him, to be with him, to yield up their hearts to him, to listen to his words, to watch his looks, to imitate his ways, in short, to receive the impress of his life. Jesus' call was gentle, not with nothing convulsive or emotional about it. Gentle as a summer breeze, soft as a ripple of, on the waves upon the shores of a lake, or the sound of a small, still voice, and yet how impressing it claims upon a soul. And lastly, we're called to suffer, and who at some time has not. As we did when we were in the Holy Land last year, never look at Mount Calvary without a glimpse of the Mount of Transfiguration. And remember that if we suffer with Christ, we shall be glorified together. Amen. Amen.